Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I am back. <laughs> Goose what just... Happened? She used the litter box. Okay. Uh, but she... Her head is very small, and so it doesn't have much brain in it. Uh, and she has a tendency to like stand in the litter box and like paw at the wall or the bathtub <laughs> rather than at, you know, the dirt that she's standing in. <laughs> so she, I just was hearing like scrape, 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 scrape for like five minutes as the smell of cat shit filled the office because she wasn't Fuck. burying it. <laughs> Everybody and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. And I'm Dylan. And we're back again to talk about video games, and we're back on our more esoteric bullshit after a weirdly long period of uh, very topical episodes. Topical. <laughs> right. And this week, we wanted to have a little discussion about why we go back to replay games. Like, mm-hmm. what is it about a game, whether it's gameplay or story or, or presentation or what, that, Maybe a bunch of all of the above. Yeah, uh, but what is it that brings us back to games over and over, and, and what can you know? What can we mine out of that as sort of what is what is the magic that makes a game do that? And I I proposed this episode to Dylan the other day because I booted Hollow Knight up again. Uh, at this point, I it seems like practically every six months. I'll just get the itch to to play Hollow Knight again, and I'll boot it up, and I'll play for, you know, I think this run I got to the quote-unquote true ending with like 97% overall completion in about 11 hours over the course of like three or four days. That was just like, if I was hanging out and and not doing anything else, I'd be playing Hollow Knight, and I I breezed through it again, and I I do this like twice a year at this point, and I, I this time it caught me, I was like, why has this become something that just like pulls me back in every now and then? And I was like, mm-hmm. that, there's probably an episode in that idea. There's um, so many different ways we can take this conversation and they're all valid and I hope to hit all of them. So yeah, yeah. So this might be a bit of a ping pong game of an episode of just sort of jumping from thought to thought because I don't think either of us has really a thesis statement. This is more of a oh no, absolutely not like an open ended kind of discussion. Um, Shoot the breeze as it yeah. were. So what was what's your uh, what was the first thought? You said you have a bunch of a bunch of angles, and I'm curious what your first one is. Um, well, because you mentioned Hollow Knight, I have to uh, chime in with Super Metroid, and um, yeah, these games that are all about exploration are really satisfying when you know the routes and you you just have a route in mind that you want to take. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that's that like <laughs> yeah, go that ahead. really hits for me with 2D exploration games in a way that it doesn't often with uh like 3d open world games you you have more opportunities for schmovement in 2d yeah like we we in a fairly recent episode we were talking about how 
Elden Ring and Breath of the Wild get like so much about exploration right, but mm. for whatever reason, Breath of the Wild, like I'll go back and I'll I'll boot it up every now and then to be like I'll start a new file here and I'll play for a few hours and have fun, but like something about the initial novelty, like it's a game that I wish I could snap my fingers and like erase it from my brain. Yeah, and, and go back and play it again the only, fresh. The only way you can really do that is give it about a decade. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, Hollow Knight, Super Metroid, I'm sure I'm going to be this way with Metroid Dread, because I, I played through Metroid Dread, like, two or three times in pretty rapid succession to try and unlock all the different artwork rewards, mm -hmm. um, and enjoyed it the whole time I was doing that, so I'm sure that'll be one that I, I return to before too long. Yeah, so I guess on the, the most basic level, just because we're talking about Metroid right now, um, the first time you beat uh, I'll just go with Super Metroid because that's the the number one in my mind. The first time you beat Super Metroid, you're probably not going to get the best ending. Um, and you know, best is like a very subjective term, but you know, the the ending where Samus uh, <laughs> there's got to be a way to say this without it feeling as skeezy as it like skeezier than it really is. But like <laughs> you it know, is, yeah, uh, the best ending where Samus takes off her power suit. Yes, I know. Uh, yeah. It, the, the 80s and early 90s were a different time. They shouldn't have been, Listen, but they were. I was were. 13 or 14 when I played Super Metroid. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, no. Um, you know, the first time I beat Super Metroid, I got the ending where Samus removes her helmet. And that's cool, but like just the knowledge that there is a better ending uh, to get where... She removes more of her suit. God damn it. <laughs> There's got to be a better way to phrase all this. But, you know, um, the fact that there was a better ending that I could get if I just knew the route or made a route that was a little bit more efficient. Um, now that especially once you've kind of taken like a tour of the world, now that you know where everything is, more or less, obviously, you're not going to have a perfect 100% memory of everything in the game. Yeah. Um but because you have more of a familiarity and there is an incentive to go back and do it faster, why not just just fucking do it? It's fun. Especially yeah. since like Samus in Super Metroid has the sh movement. Um Yeah, I I think that idea of mm -hmm. of kind of gradual mastery and getting to return to this game now that you like know all the tricks is definitely part of it with Hollow Knight for me. Mm -hmm. Cuz like this time I didn't, but in the past I've done the Steel Soul Run option on my replay, mm. which is where you don't get to respawn. If you die, the save is deleted. Oh, shit. That's, um, that's incredible. Holy it's hell. It's very fun and very stressful. <laughs> and, like, the fact that, like, at this point, like you said, I don't have a, a perfect map of the game in my head, but I know it well enough that I can sort of plan out, like you were saying, like, plan out a route, plan out, like, okay, I'm gonna go get this upgrade first, and then I'll take on this boss to get this upgrade, and sort of try to optimize that run to make it as quick and safe as it can be. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's a lot of fun in that, and a lot of fun in, like, it's like the feeling of returning to an early level of an RPG when you're fully kitted out, but, like, the kitting out is you, the player, not the, the levels yeah, on the character. Absolutely. And I think the, the best parts like the the best um cases of this type of replay incentive comes from just not even necessarily like knowing the game but just um knowing what you can do in the game because when i think about super metroid i'm thinking about like 
you know, what sequence breaks do I know I'm capable of doing? Because even if you're not doing like, you know, speed run glitch tech, uh, mm. you can still there are still tools the game gives you from the very beginning that you have uh, that allow you to do things out of the designer's intended order. Yeah, on, on guess, that I, topic, I guess maybe I should say the designer's recommended order. Yeah, yeah. On that topic, that's another another game we talked about recently. I can already tell you that uh, I'm going to be returning to Tunic before too yes. long to see just how out of order I can do things now that I know all of the things that are available to you from the get-go. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff in that game that you just don't know about on a first-time playthrough. And that I think that that kind of design really lends itself well to, you know, repeat playthroughs, repeat returning to a game after a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the it's it's so interesting because the games that I find myself returning to most regularly are on the one hand things like Hollow Knight, other Metroidvanias, even like uh, earlier Souls like games. Mm-hmm. I can find you know I don't usually return to do a full playthrough, but like it's fun to go back and boot up Dark Souls or Sekiro and just play for a few hours and, and again, kind of exercise that learned mastery. Uh, yeah. And on the other hand, it's things like a lot of uh, roguelikes, and in particular, like, uh, I find a lot of fun in returning to sort of tactic or deck-building roguelikes. Um, okay. Like, just recently, I started replaying as, like, an, you know, it's not an idle game, but, like, as sort of a while I'm, you know, listening to podcasts or doing something else sort of idle ticking away at it game i started replaying into the breach oh okay which still rips uh into the breach if you're not familiar with it is a it's a roguelike tactics game but almost more puzzle than tactics so the the gimmick is that you command this group of three giant robot mech suit things and you're trying to fight off these giant alien bugs called the vec uh, and prevent them from destroying the human buildings and cities and, and power plants and things on these little, like, I don't know, 10 by 10 grid maps that you drop mm-hmm. into. And every mech has a different move set. There's a bunch of different ones that you can unlock, and eventually you can, uh, like, mix and match different team or different mechs that, like, aren't from the same sort of team that the game auto-generates. Uh, your, po- your pilots have different skills. But the the crux of the game is that every turn feels like a puzzle because the enemies tell you exactly what they're going to do okay. at the beginning of each turn cycle. And so it's up to you to think, okay, how do I get the absolute most bang for my buck possible out of my limited actions with these three mech suits that I have? And it's it's very hard, but it's very fun in a way where like, you know, like I said, I'll be playing it while I listen to a podcast or something, and I'll come to a, a turn where it's like, man, I don't know what, I ha- what I'm going to do here. And I'll just, like, sit and, and kind of contemplate that one turn for, like, mm-hmm. 10, 15 minutes to try and figure out, like, okay, if I do this, then that bug is going to shoot my mech instead of the building, but my mech has the enough health to take that hit, and I can hit this other bug to knock it out of the way, but, but if I do that, then this other one is going to be free to attack that building so i need to find a way to manage that and just like it's a very simple game with a lot of not even complexity just like it presents very intricate little puzzles with every turn Mm -hmm. uh and figuring out how best to handle that is 
really compelling. And I, I booted it up completely idly. I was like, oh, I haven't thought about this game in a while. And I opened it up and it immediately hooked me again. It just, you were back in. Yeah. That's amazing. And I, I think that the appeal there is just, again, like, there's no on-ramp. You boot it up and within, you know, 30 seconds of opening the game, you're directly into one of these little maps trying to solve this, you know, this, ga- this level's puzzle and this turn's puzzle. Hades is another one that I recently booted back up again and was immediately like, oh yeah, this game fucking rips. So for, for like roguelike games, do we count that as like a new game? Because technically every game is a new game. And I guess on that same um, train of thought, uh, would arcade games count in that category? I feel like arcade games fit the same niche. And again, mm. like that's, that's again kind of capturing that level of mastery we were talking about with the... Uh, the metroidvanias like you got into shmups i'm sure there are points where you go back and play like a shmup you haven't played in a while and just to like shake the rust off i guess yes yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it's easier other times it's uh nearly fucking impossible <laughs> <laughs> this rust got hands <laughs> no exactly though uh sometimes it's like all right i actually need to sit down and relearn uh this game th- these bullet patterns what have you but some games I, I pick it up and it's like, all right, I'm 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 dying a decent amount, but like I'm holding my own like and I guess that's the thing about like arcade games where like, you know, you're kind of expected to die because yeah. you're expected to put more money into the machine. Oh, arcade um, games really ripped that off from Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I, I'm I, game journalism. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Throw myself into the sea. <laughs> um no, but uh, I I, th- I think the uh, the the thing about arcade games that I think helped me really get into some of the more notorious ones. Not only should you expect to die, but like also, especially when you have like a home p- uh, port of it, there's literally no consequence to dying. So the only thing keeping you from beating the game is like your enjoyment of the section you're on, and so um. This is this is a huge tangent, and I apologize. No, you're good. Um, it, but this I, feels I, like I, the kind of episode that's like, "Oops, all tangents," and I'm okay with that. Sometimes that's okay. fun. Great. The, the, I guess the thing about arcade games is like, yeah, you can. If you're at a point in the game where you're like, "This is too hard. I'm dying constantly. I'm not having fun." The thing I like to keep in perspective is if I was playing this at an arcade, this would be the point where I'm out of money. Or yeah. <laughs> I realize I don't want to, or I realize I don't want to spend any more money on this game because as much fun as I'm having, I'm not having fun anymore, and I want to check out what's over there. And yeah, I, I think that that kind of self clarity to like know when you're not having fun and to walk away is like very helpful because like when you when you come back to that game, you'll have the skills you you got that got you up to that point, but you're starting over from scratch, and so you're approaching it with more skills but a fresh perspective and so you're just chipping away a little bit with every revisit of that game yeah for sure um this is kind of why i don't necessarily agree with the sentiment that like you know a game over taking you back to the start of the game isn't necessarily like you know a cheap way of lengthening the game maybe that's just a sign that you need to take a break from it yeah i i I think that like old school games like that with the and the old school approach of like a 
genuine game over situation. Mm -hmm. I think it's a little overly maligned. I think that it's an interesting idea that like, should every game have it? Absolutely not. No. But I think that like, I don't know, the way that things like roguelikes approach that and approach like, you know, they will have differing degrees of permanent unlocks and permanent like, you know, mechanical bonuses that you get from playing. But so much of those games is about that sort of very arcade experience of mm -hmm. learning through trial and error and banging your head against the wall. And I think that that's kind of rad. And like, mm -hmm. I don't know, with something like Hades, like, I think the other thing about Hades in particular that, I, that really gets me is like, I, it has that arcade game appeal of I can go back and like, boot up another run and have a go at it and just kind of like jump in where I left off. But also when I do that, I get new dialogue that I've never seen before. Right. <laughs> because so, that game's insane. Yeah, in a game like Hades, it actually feels like you're just continuing the game. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Like, I did at one point go back and, like, start a fresh save on Hades and played that for a little while. And then eventually <laughs> I was like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I could just be continuing the one that I already started. <laughs> so maybe that's a bad example. Maybe, maybe I'm talking against myself there, but, like, I don't know, it, it feels the same way as going back and restarting like a Metroidvania in, in that the gameplay loop is so tight, I think. Mm -hmm. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply trying to think if there's anything else that like gets me back in it frequently. the leaderboards bro oh my god <laughs> no i mean that's that's a very i'm not even gonna see say that's a me thing because it's never like i'm shooting for number one right. when i play an arcade game but like there is kind of this element of like i kind of want to improve my score or maybe you know this is something that's more common in an actual arcade but you know maybe i see someone else play and they do something really sick that I didn't know was possible. And now my mind is brimming with all the possibilities of that thing I just saw. Um, it could be like a maneuver and a shmup, or it could be like, you know, uh, seeing someone pull off the mock ball in Super Metroid for the first time. Um, yeah. Speed or tech in, uh, in the realm of like, that, that's the same sort of appeal that I get with that gets me back into fighting games after a lull. Mm, yeah, like I'll yeah. see some clip on Twitter of a really sick combo or a match that gets really, really intense. And I'm just like, oh, fuck, I got to play more Guilty Gear. Oh, fuck, I got to <laughs> get into King of Fighters again. Yeah. No, I, I was thinking earlier today I should play it. And then I just never did because I'm <laughs> fucking stupid. I'm a um, cad. <laughs> no, I got sidetracked. Fighting games are so fun, dude. <laughs> uh, one of my coworkers is getting me into advanced Smash Bros. Melee. Oh. So, like, there's tech that, like, I've always seen but, like, never really deep dove into that, like, he was teaching me. And I'm like, oh, no, am I in? Is this a thing? Oh, no. Oh, no. The rabbit uh, hole is opening up. No, nah, I, I don't know how much time I'll actually have to give to it. But, like, I do want to... I want to improve at least to the point where I can keep up with him, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
I think that games like that, games with sort of a competitive scene, mm-hmm. that's another thing that like, this is not a video game, but I've, I, over the course of the pandemic, I have gotten back into uh, Magic the Gathering in a pretty big okay. way. I was out for several years and like, you know, sort of keeping up with content creators that I enjoyed and like keeping sort of a general awareness of the game, but I hadn't played for like three or four years after college. Uh, and then the pandemic hit and it hooked me back in because Magic Arena came out and it was, it got me. Um, mm-hmm. And then recently, Wizards announced a Wizards of the Coast, the company that publishes Magic the Gathering, not just some wizards. Um, they announced that they were restructuring and returning to sort of an older method for their like organized play and tournament structure. Previously, this is a, again tangent time with Chris. Unthinkable. They they had a system where like by playing in events. Uh, at like the local game store level uh, and and you know they would have general admission uh, like big tournament events at like conventions and things but playing at these sort of like you can just go and play magic you would earn what they called planeswalker points because it's dorky Um, and as you let that was sort of your like quote-unquote permanent record for like your participation in sanctioned events and if you did well enough in those you could earn admittance to like higher caliber tournaments and invitation only tournaments and sort of like make your way into like the pro magic scene if you wanted to but it was pretty it was pretty obtuse uh it was hard to like kind of pin down exactly like okay i'm kind of good at magic the gathering how do i do anything with that it was like well go to this event of a th- like this like thousand person entry open tournament and hope you do well enough and that was kind of it um and so then they they did away with that and they had like these league things for a while that made even less sense and now they've restructured it again where it's like okay if you they will your local scene your local stores will be able to have qualifying events that qualify you for the next step up which is what they're calling regional championships but that's like the US is a region Europe is a region so you can do well enough just like going to events at your store to qualify to go to the regional championship. And if you do well enough at the regional championship, you will qualify to go to the pro tour. And like, it's not that big of a change, but like restructuring mm-hmm. it and making it into something that is much more like easily conceivable. And suddenly I was like, am I going to get really into competitive magic? <laughs> is now the, am, am I as a 28 year old man? Gonna get really into a to competitive trading card games, and the answer is hey, probably you no. Be the first, <laughs> I wouldn't be the first. The answer is probably no. But it, right. that did light a bit of a fire under me. Like even I, I was back in already, but like I was like, okay, well, this is happening, and they're the first pro <laughs> tour is going to be this new, like focusing on this new uh, format called Pioneer, and. Pioneer looks kind of cool. I'm going to build a Pioneer deck and maybe start going to local Pioneer events to see if that the deck that I build is any good. And, like, <laughs> that's probably as far as I'm going to take it. But but it is interesting how the presence of, like, even just the idea of a competitive scene, even if you're, you know, you play fighting games or or MOBAs or Overwatch or whatever it is, at a level where, like, you know, maybe you're the best among your friend group and you you do well in whatever the ranked mode is. The presence of that kind of ranked mode, the presence of being able to, like, see yourself improving and see yourself getting matched up against better and better players Mm -hmm. and 
the kind of online community and online like clip you know clip sharing that that engenders is a big thing that like keeps people playing games and keeps people coming back to games yeah no there's a there's a gratification to it and just um also gives longevity to a game you know oh yeah and again even that even if it's a pipe dream that idea in your head of like maybe i could go to like you know whatever the top competitive level yeah maybe i could like sign up to go to evo and get my teeth kicked in in round one but like still have a good time at evo that kind of Mm -hmm. like there's something very compelling about that and i think that it's it's a big part of why people who are into fighting games stay as into fighting games as they do right um even like i i've talked a lot about sin and punishment i feel like maybe maybe not on the show but just in general as a friend in in your life um just, like, I don't think there's any, like, kind of online leaderboard for the original game on the Nintendo 64. Uh, but, like, I, I, I've i always, every time I play that game, I kind of wonder, because I'm like, all right, how can I optimize my score? But, like, I just, I want that uh, community to, like, have a frame of reference to see where I'm at in comparison to the rest of the world of, <laughs> you know, 20 Sin and Punishment players, you know? <laughs> There are dozens of us. Literally dozens. I I do not think it extends much further beyond that. I think it's like, I think that, and this is again, another, another like avenue, but I think that the rise of things like speed running Mm -hmm. is another thing that like, I'm absolutely guilty of this. I, I recently stumbled upon some, like some YouTube video of somebody posting their personal best. Uh, of a speed run of, I think it was Link to the Past. Yeah, and it was just like, I'm not a speed runner. I have no interest in speed running Link to the Past. But you better believe I I grabbed my Switch and booted up Link to the Past after <laughs> oh, watching hey, that. You know, that was actually another one of the games I wanted to talk about when you pitched this episode oh, idea yeah. to me to to go back uh, to <laughs> replaying games. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the thing that we this episode is ostensibly about ostensibly about. Um. But, like, yeah, I think A Link to the Past is weird because it's, it's not, like, there's not really anything I'd call schmovement, um, and it's not, like, what I would call, it's got combat, but it's not the same kind of Twitch combat that you yeah. get out of an arcade game. It's, it's a more longer investment, time investment. Um, but, like, at the same time, I, I always revisit it. It's probably, at this point, my most replayed Zelda game from beginning to end. As well as the only one I've 100% completed. And I'm trying to think about why that is. Because, uh, again, like it's, it's not a particularly quick game, but I, just, I find it to be very replayable. And I, I think if I had I th- to like make a guess, A, it's, it's a very quick game. You can beat it in like a week if you're taking your time. <laughs> right. But I, I also think there's just like, there's something about the... Uh, that now this is the the part of the episode where we get navel gazy um <laughs> but there there's something about the um escalation like link to the past isn't a very story heavy game but i i still would say that it has like storytelling to it yeah and there there is a definite arc to the feel of the game if not you know it 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 would be bold to describe uh it as having like a particularly strong narrative arc right but there is a pretty strong like engagement arc 
to that yeah. game, especially like, you, like mm-hmm. on your first playthrough as you're discovering things about that world. Yeah, like your uncle dies, you sneak into Hyrule Castle to rescue. You kill Zelda. the first man you see at with his sword. <laughs> uh, yeah, you rescue Zelda. You you you're testifying three pendants. One of them takes you to the top of the mountain. Whoa, there's a dark world. That's weird. This NPC dies. I don't know why that was such a huge shock to me, but it was because the world seemed so static. Mm-hmm. Um, you have this climatic face-off, and then boom, you're not even halfway through the game. Yep, yep. Um, and then there, there's something about, like, when you're fighting the final boss, and he, like, runs away, and you call the, uh, the little bird that is your quick travel key item to, like, chase him. That, that's just instant serotonin, and that's I feel so like... cool. Um, I, I something about like all these little moments that aren't too long. I I think that might be the thing about a link to the past. It doesn't take too long. Like there isn't a story, so like there aren't cutscenes that constantly bog down your interaction with the world. But um, it is paced in such a way, and the stakes are laid out so matter of factly that even if you even if the story is not complex, you are experiencing the story in a way that just feels really good. Going along the same line, I think that a lot of what gets me is like, there are some games that just become like comfort food. Mm -hmm. Like Hollow Knight is definitely that for me, which is weird to say, given how hard and grim that game is. But I think that's part of why I go back to it. And I think that's why things like, uh, slay the spire and uh, into the breach as sort of like I need something to kind of occupy myself while I listen to podcasts are so appealing is like there there are these games that just become like I enjoy this game so holistically that like I don't need to beat it I don't need to like spend a ton of time with it but I can go back to it and jump in and have and like enjoy it and get that like you just said that sort of serotonin hit yeah and I know this, you know, I have this handful of games that I know will give me that when it's like, I don't want to start something new. I don't want something super heavy. I don't want something that I'm going to have to think about too much. Yeah. Actually, I feel like that that might bring me to the last game that I wanted. To yeah, talk go about. for it. Last year, I just out of nowhere decided to boot up Star Fox Adventures, um, which. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> You yeah. just hit you just hit the nostalgia button, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Um, so here's the thing about uh Star Fox Adventures. Um uh, a mutual friend of ours in college, I remember him saying, Star Fox Star Fox Adventures is kind of a terrible Zelda clone. And I remember at the time I was like, What are you talking about? It's like fine. Like I, I don't get why people have this like weird vendetta against Star Fox Adventures. It's a perfectly serviceable uh, Zelda clone. Star Fox Adventures is not a good Zelda clone. <laughs> it's like pretty, pretty mediocre and like blatantly unfinished. Mediocre. Um, yes, mediocre. Sorry. Squidward. Um, no, but it's so. Th- this is not this is not the time for me to tear into Star Fox Adventures, but I guess just for some context, um, it is very it very much feels like putting aside the fact that it is unfinished, like it was originally a Nintendo 64 game that got rebooted for the GameCube with the addition of Star Fox as an IP to it. Um, very interesting development history. But uh, 
like all the Star Fox stuff feels super tacked on. Um, but like ignoring all that, like just hype, like thinking hypothetically about the original game. Um, there's not really a whole lot of guidance to where you're supposed to go. There's not really a whole lot of um logic to the puzzles or progression you just kind of do things arbitrarily and things unlock arbitrarily and uh yeah it also feels like a rare platformer but designed with zelda controls and that that's that's weird i don't know why you would just give me a jump button <laughs> but all that to say i i'm almost done with my playthrough of it oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and like I, it's not like i've been marathoning this game i think i marathoned the first half of it and then like i took a break and now i'm clearing through the second half because this game is uh i'm not gonna say it's short but it's like shorter than you know i thought it was when i was eight right also side note i i've been playing this game with the the gamecube controller that i got alongside it for my eighth birthday nice <laughs> yeah that's always nice that's serotonin right there I, uh, I still think I th the GameCube controller might be my favorite video game controller of all time. I think it's good. People who talk shit about it don't know what they're talking about. Hey, you know what's awesome and you know what more people should do? What? You know what's cool? When all the <laughs> buttons fucking feel different. <laughs> you being know, able to tell by touch alone exactly what button I'm about to press is so good. You know what's instant serotonin? Holding hmm. the A button and then pressing any other button while yep. hold, keeping the A button held. It, yeah, like, again, I, I don't dislike where controllers have gone. I have a PS5 controller that I use for my PC gaming. It's fine, but man, the GameCube controller fucking hits different. Mm -hmm. I, I feel that a thousand percent. Um, but anyway, so yeah, uh, what, do, what do I like about Star Fox Adventures? Because I've almost beaten it. Really, it just boils down to vibes. And I feel like that's a cop-out answer, but, like, you play this game that had such, like, an indelible effect of, on my imagination as a child. Like, this cross between, like, high fantasy, um, like, antiquity and, uh, you know, science fiction, just, like, all hitting you at once. Like, playing through Star Fox Adventures, it kind of reminded me, like, of the trajectory uh the games that i sought out for like the next decade went if i it, if i didn't play it has Star Fox big dinotopia energy in a way that is really appealing yeah i didn't even think about that but you're absolutely correct i wouldn't be surprised if that was like at least partially an inspiration yeah you know? it, it would be shocking if there was no uh no vibe lifted from that right but yeah i think uh yeah, if, if I didn't play Star Fox Adventures, I don't know if I would be a Final Fantasy fan, which is weird to think about. But like <laughs> there's there's like a lot of minuscule like permutations of I like Star Fox Adventures. This thing like the cover of this thing reminds me of Star Fox Adventures. And like it's just like a breadcrumb trail to like, oh, what's this Final Fantasy game? <laughs> Something about like the the design of like the environments like in my like subconscious child brain was like <laughs> there's a star fox adventure vibe about this let me check it out yes. um so like re revisiting this mediocre game and like acknowledging as an adult with like refined sensibilities uh <laughs> that it, it is probably about as mediocre as every critic at the time was saying um 
at the same time, it's it's like really kind of nice to just like play it and be like, all right, this isn't great, but like I can see the thing I liked about it, and I'm I'm allowing myself to like slip back into that mind palace that I was in twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, like I think that's twenty years ago plus a month or minus a month. No, plus I'm, a month. I'm Fuck. too old, Dylan. <laughs> Shut up. You can't tell me that Foster. I understand that you're right, but you can't just say things about how GameCube games came out 20 years ago like that. <laughs> All right, like, I need I to go remember, contemplate my own mortality, so I think I we should remember, probably wrap up. I remember being a kid and being like, yeah, Final Fantasy VII's pretty old. It's like nine years old. Oh, no. When I was 12, you know? Oh, and now no. I'm like, and now I'm like, oh, Star Fox Adventures came out 20 years ago. Fuck me, I guess. I guess I'm I guess I'll die. I guess I'll die. Anyway, uh, I hope you all enjoyed this very rambly and navel gazy episode because sometimes it's fun to do those. We just have like abstract thoughts that we need to make into a podcast. Uh <laughs> If you did enjoy it, please do think about uh, leaving a rating or review wherever you're getting your podcast, subscribing if that's an option in your podcatcher of choice. Things like that really do help with like analytics and, and algorithms and helping other people find the show. Share it around manually if you feel so moved. And uh, yeah, if you want to know more about us, you can find info about us on uh, our website, which is bsgpod.com, where you can find more info about the show. You can find info about me and Dylan. You can find contact form if you want to reach out to us. All that good stuff. And hey, Dylan, what about social media? Um, yeah, if you want to hit us on social media, you can find us on Facebook and our Twitter where our handle is at BSG underscore cast. Um, and yeah, if you want to talk, uh, talk about it, what are some games you've replayed, actually? I feel like that's a good prompt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, to answer that question, we would love it if you use that hashtag BSG pod. Um, kind of draws our attention to you and also like helps our uh you know our numbers a little bit so that's always appreciated um huge huge thanks to our friend brennan french for the key art he has provided our show if you dig his stuff you can check him out at brennan-french.squarespace.com that is b-r-e-n-n-e-n-french.squarespace.com you can also find him on instagram.com slash brennan let me take that from the top you can also find him on instagram.com slash brennan french arts and on Twitter, at Brennan underscore French. Thanks also to our friend BioQuery for the use of our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1 Instrumentality. You can find all of his music by going to soundcloud.com slash BioQuery, that's soundcloud.com slash B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y, or by searching for BioQuery on Spotify. Thank you, as always, to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. It's a great network full of podcasts about video games, and if you like our show, you're sure to like some of theirs. So go check them out on Twitter, at HPVGPodNetwork. And thank you once again to our patrons at patreon.com slash bsgpod. It's thanks to you that we aren't losing money making this show, and it means the world to us that we have the support that we do. So if you like the show and you want to support it in a very direct way, patreon.com slash bsgpod is the place to do that. I think that'll do it for us this week. Uh, I'm going to leave and go play some more Link to the Past, probably. <laughs> Fuck yeah, let's go. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye.
your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.